Psalm 3 is a very important passage in my life. I believe when we get done today, you'll mark it and go back to it regularly. Have you ever felt like (laughs) the whole world was against you? Uh, Have you ever felt like you were in a pit of quicksand and there was no way out? And then somebody throws a bucket of mud in your face? Uh, You ever wondered why, as we try to live right, you look at all the the wicked and the evil people, and it seems like everything's going good for them and hard for us? Do you ever wonder why it seemed like your enemy and the God-haters are prospering and you're struggling? Uh, Can I tell you something? (laughs) Psalm 3 was written for us. Psalm 3 is a passage that I run to often. When I see the storm pressures of life or the opposition on the horizon, uh, it's where I run to. Now, if you'll look at me for a moment, I think I can help you. Part of the problem is this. Most of us just kind of take life as it comes. We don't look ahead. Uh, when I was teaching my, my children to drive, <laughs> thank God I didn't teach Paula. But I, I would teach my kids because the natural thing is to look about 10, 15, 20 feet in front of your car, and that's the only place you're looking. And I would train my children to look way down the road. Sometimes, if you're in a residential area, several blocks down the road. Pay attention to children playing in the yard or on the sidewalk, people that are walking, dogs, animals, any kind of movement. I said, it doesn't mean you focus on it, but you better be aware that it's there. And it's called defensive driving. You're, you're looking far enough ahead to where if something were to happen, you're already ready for it to react. Too many people don't drive that way. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. But many people live their life non-defensively. They get up and they face what happens today. And they can't believe how bad it was and they don't want to get up tomorrow. Well, I happen to live and enjoy life. I really do. You're looking at a happy man. You say, why? Because everything's going right? No. You ought to try pastoring sometime. Uh, It doesn't all go right, but when you can see the opposition and you see the pressure coming, you're a little bit more ready for it. Uh, I run to Psalm 3 often. We all face times of pressure, opposition, fear, turmoil, enemies. Whatever it may be. Some handle it better than others. But may I say this. If you are 18 years old or older. You're going to face it whether you want to or not. You're going to. Uh, It may be financial problems. It may be health. It may be due to the fact of a bad past. Or not living correctly now. Or whatever the problem may be. Those things are always going to be there and you're going to face it. They may be news of the death of a loved one or a friend. You say, well, it was just so sudden. Been there, done that. I've had a cousin that was killed in a plane crash. I've had uh, folks that I know that have been murdered. I've had folks that fell over dead with a heart attack, doing fine, and the next moment, they're gone. I I could go situation after situation after situation like that. You say, well, that's just so tragic. (laughs) Even knowing somebody is sick and dying and it takes weeks, months, and years for them to die, and they die, it's still death, it still hurts. It doesn't matter. You see, God does not ever promise, listen to this statement, God never promises to keep the pressure away from us. God never promises to keep the opposition away. Away from us. Now, hang on. But he does tell us he'll go through those things with us. You know, 
I hate to disappoint you. You can read that entire book cover to cover, including the cover. You'll not find one place in there where God said he's going to keep you from problems. Not one place in there where he says that he's going to keep you from facing pressure. Good night. I live under pressure. Uh, when I was at the doctor the other day, she said, Pastor, you sure your ear's not hurting? I said, no, I feel pressure, but it's not hurting. She said, that right eardrum is about to burst. I've never seen one that bad that didn't explode. She said, you're tough. I said, can we get that on tape? <laughs> and she just kind of chuckled like you did. But uh, I, I understand being under pressure a lot. But I let pressure go through me. I don't hold on to it. I'm not a person that lives under stress. I make everybody else live under stress. Amen? (laughs) You see, Psalm 3 never one time said that God's going to take your opposition or your enemy or your stress away. He never promised to take those things away. But he did say, I'll help you handle it and I'll help you go through it as you go through it. You see, you may be facing a gut punch today. Or you're going to get one tomorrow and don't know it's coming. But God says you can make it. Can I tell you something as pastor of this church? Doesn't matter what comes today, you're going to make it. Somebody said, well, I woke up on this side of the dirt. I must be okay. I thought, well, when I wake up on the other side of the dirt, I'm going to do a whole lot better. God tells us here that uh, the more we try to live right for God, the more opposition we will face. (laughs) Let me help you. Some people say, well, just trust Jesus and all your problems go away. Whoever said that was a total nincompoop. I'm sorry, imbecile. That is not scriptural. The very perfect son of God, Jesus Christ himself, look at all the pressure and problems he had to go through. If God's not going to take that away for his very own perfect sinless son, what chance do we have, baby? It ain't coming. God never said he would take all of that away. But he did say, I'll help you get through that each step of the way. You see, uh, well, you say, well, it seems like, preacher, the, the more I start to live for the Lord, the more pressure comes. That means you're going the right direction. I hear preachers all the time, well, uh, it just seems like everything's going wrong. I don't know that this is the will of God. I said, oh, yeah, you're right smack dab in the middle of it. They said, how do you know? It seems like everything's going wrong. That's how I know. Do you think the devil's going to fight something that doesn't bother him? You think the devil's going to bother somebody that's living the wrong way? No, he's going to leave them alone and go to the person that's living the right way and pester the snot out of you. Sorry, mucus. Forgot, I'm in church. I can't say those words. It's supposed to be sophisticated. Good luck. You know, uh, I've always said this. The will of God swings on the hinge of opposition. When Brother Josh uh, and uh, Ruthann left about a year ago, I told you all, we're going to pray for God to give us the right family to bring here to work with our church. But I told you, be careful how you pray. Because generally that means somebody's going to have to go through a tough time for them to be able to relocate. Be careful. And lo and behold, somebody was going through a tough time. And God hooked us up at the right time. And look what God did. Now, I'll promise you for months before, you weren't sure how it was going to work out. Now that he's here, he's not sure that he did the right thing. But uh, (laughs) I am teasing. But can I tell you something? It wasn't because everything was going good. 
You see, well, I'll just keep going till God quits opening doors. Did you know the devil can open doors too? Shoot, I never went through an easy door in my life. My son Jeff called yesterday. He's uh, in the Air Force. He saved somebody's life this week. Uh, some lady officer, and she tried to commit suicide. He had to bust two doors down and get in and help her. He said, Dad, that's pretty cool busting doors down. <laughs> I was like, now that is a young man that loves to fight. Gotta love it, amen? He was worried about her, but he was more impressed with the fact that he got to bust two doors in, amen? Now, wait a minute. Uh, can I tell you something? Just because a door opens doesn't mean it's the right door. Well, it just seems like there's so much opposition. I just don't, oh, usually that means you're going the right direction. <laughs> I hate to tell you something. Did you know that we're different than the world? Thank God. That's why we don't want the world in the church. We're trying to be different from the world. That's why the, uh, the opposition, <laughs> you'll find somebody that came here and don't like the fact that I preach the way I preach. Well, tough toenails, there's the word of God. You change the word of God, preach the way you want, but I'm going to preach it as God gave it because I answer to God, not to you. I'm not here to impress everybody. I'm here to do what God said do. Do you think I always enjoy saying what I say? No, i got to go home and face my wife. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, when you go through those times of opposition and those struggles, those are not all bad things. Sometimes that's what it takes to make us. Amen. Today I want you to realize something. God's promise is true in the opposition as much as it is when there's no opposition. Amen. Did you know the promises of the word of God are true when everything's going right, but they're just as true when everything's going wrong? The great people of the Bible would not be great in your opinion had they not gone through great struggle. If I were to list the greatest people in the Bible for most people, for instance, Noah, Moses, Joseph, Esther, Ruth, David, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, Jeremiah, the Apostle Paul. Oh, those are great people in the Bible. Yeah, look at all the opposition they had to go through. What makes you think they're great was the greatness of the opposition, not their greatness. And it's the opposition that they came through that allowed their greatness to come forth. No opposition, no greatness. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't need any more enemies. I got plenty. I don't like having enemies. I am not anybody's enemy as far as that I, I don't dislike them and going to attack them. But I have plenty that like running their mouth against me. Uh, you see, we see their greatness based on the opposition and, and not because of the lack thereof. Please don't take this the wrong way. America needs a leader. Not a nursing home resident. We, we, we need real leadership in America. All the way from dog catcher down to president. Uh, I mean, we, we really need people who are, are willing to step up and lead and face the opposition, not just go the same old way. You know, if somebody's been in a position for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years and things keep getting are still the same and they're not getting better, maybe we ought to get rid of them. That's why our forefathers had term limits. Amen. Maybe we ought to put term limits on everything. Amen. That's why President Trump didn't get reelected because he proposed that and nobody in Congress would vote for it. Go figure. Now, let me show you some 
just very quick things. I think I have about seven or eight statements that I'm going to give you. Six, I'm sorry. Six statements I'm going to give you today out of Psalm 3 that will help you. First of all, God is my shield. God is my shield. Look at verse number 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. I love that. You know, a shield is something that you put on your arm and it goes ahead of you. And it, uh, it's, a, it's a defensive thing, not an offensive thing. And it keeps objects from hitting you in the face or in the, in the, in the vital part of your body. You'll see riot police and they'll carry clear shields and uh, those are to protect them from rocks and different things being thrown at them. Uh, plus they can use them to help push people down and beat them with their sticks and all that kind of good stuff. And you say, are you for that? If you have enough stupidity to go against police officers, I think you ought to be beat with a stupid stick. You say, but preacher, well, if you're dumb enough to go against leadership, uh, look how many people have been so stupid to riot in the streets over a football game. Everybody doing okay? They didn't even play in the game. You're not talking about the players, you're talking about the fans. And they were all cheering for the same one. And they start burning police cars, and there's no sense in that mess. You know, you need beat with a stick, stupid. Amen? Not a stupid stick, but anyway. A shield protect, protects you from projectiles and close-up attacks. Ephesians 6.16 says, God tells us that part of the armor of the Christian is the shield of faith. That you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the devil. Now, back in Bible days, they didn't have plexiglass, hard plastic. Uh, they didn't have those things, but uh, a shield would often be a piece of wood that was covered with very thick layers of leather, and that leather was soaked in oil. And that oil was there because, as the Bible says, to quench the fiery darts of the devil. Uh, people got smart and said, well, <laughs> we'll hit that wood and it's not going to do anything, but we set that arrow on fire and hit that wood, it's going to catch that thing on fire and they're not going to be able to hold it very long. But those, that layer, those layers of leather that are soaked in oil, as the fiery darts and the arrows would hit that, the oil would quench the fire and go out. Can I tell you something? Our faith will quench the fiery darts of the devil. If you're saved, you've trusted Jesus Christ, and you're on your way to heaven, can I tell you something? This is the worst you're ever going to have it. Amen. Did you know everything's up from here? Did you know to those of you that have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is the best it's ever going to be, and everything's down from here? Everybody doing okay? Amen. Hey, let them have what they want here. I'm going to a place that's a whole lot better. Amen. You see, God, by faith, will not only keep the darts from hitting us, but as they are on fire, he'll quench them. And your faith is that which will be able to quench, not only stop, but also quench the fire, the, the, the heat of those fiery devils. <laughs> The Bible says, I will not fear what man can do unto me. Oh, not too many months ago, I got a phone call from somebody out of state. And they were saying that there were some people on social media that were trying to attack me. I think it's funny. People have to call me to tell me I'm in a battle. I, I said, okay, what are they saying? And uh, they told me, and I said, well, the same thing they've been saying for 25, 30 years. Nothing's changed. Some of it's same people. Why should I worry? Well, this preacher had already gotten himself a lawyer. He was all ready. He said, what, do you, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go to church tomorrow. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to preach. Amen. And I'm not going to give it two seconds of thought. Everybody doing okay? Amen. A couple of weeks later, I got some more texts and emails from friends around the country they said do you know what they're I don't know what they're saying don't care 
I said, they're not saying anything they haven't said before. <laughs> Folks, do I look worried? It's easy to hide behind a screen. Let them show up. Then let's find out how tough they are. Everybody doing okay? Say, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm going to preach the stuffings out of them. Now, if they're here to cause harm, I'm going to ask them to leave. And if not, I've already contacted the police department, and they know what to do, and we know what to do. And I've already set everything in order with our security force, and we know what's going on. But do I look worried because somebody's saying something mean and nasty about me? Let them run their mouth. Don't go looking for it. Don't dig through the sewer just to find out what they're saying. It does you no good to go out into the sewer hole to find out what somebody did. Everybody doing okay? Amen. And that's the only way to say that, and I said it as nicely as I know how. You know, we have to believe by faith that our obedience is going to quench the fiery darts of the devil. I happen to believe that if I keep doing that which is right, that my accusers are going to get tired of shooting at me because it's not working. I'm not about to show them I'm afraid. Say why? <laughs> Number one, I'm not. Number two, they don't bother me. I'm not on. When do we think our opinion matters? How about we let our faith be our shield? So, preacher, what are you going to do? Witness more, preach harder, preach more truth, reach more people, and see more people get saved. Nah, 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 nah. I decided a long time ago, every, every person the devil gets, I'm going to try to replace him with two. Amen. Eventually, he's going to get tired of shooting at me. Number two, God is our glory during the opposition. Not because there is no opposition, but during the opposition. But thou, O Lord, art a shield unto me, my glory. Can I tell you something? Oh, preacher, it's just so bad. Why is God making me go through this? Quit whining about it. Pick up your chin and keep on going. Amen. How about we learn to praise God when everything's not going good? Amen. How about we learn to keep our chin up and say, God's good whether the situation's good or not? Amen. Did you realize God did not sin? We did. Do you realize God's not a sinner, but all humans are? Why is it God's fault that some sinner sinned? Why is it God not being fair because sinners are acting like sinners act? Everybody doing okay? Well, I don't understand why God took this person in death. God didn't take them. Sin took them. For the wages of sin is death. Not the wages of God, the wages of sin. Proof for all sinners, we're all going to die. Three years ago plus, I stood here and preached my mama's funeral. Do I miss my mother? Yes, but she went from death to life, not life to death. She's doing fine right now. She's walking, she's running, she's taking care of great grandbabies, and uh, God only knows who else, and I'm sure she's been cleaning a long time up there. If you knew my mother, you know what I'm talking about. Now, wait a minute. I, did I enjoy doing her funeral message? No, but I enjoyed the fact that my mama's doing all right. Amen. See, well, God took her early. Yes, she was only 78. Now, wait a minute. But God didn't take her. Sin did. Much as I love my mama, sorry, mom, she was a sinner. She had me. You see, uh, we need to learn to praise God in the hard times, not just the easy times. Yes. You know, God still deserves the credit for being good when it seems like everything around us is bad. Amen. Did you know that just because it's bad for you doesn't mean everybody's going through a bad time? Right. Are we doing all right? How can we get so single visioned that life is dictated by what we see and what happens to us? We are so selfish. When the pressure comes, we tend to only see the pressure and not all that's affected by it. 
let me show you what I mean. You get up in the middle of the night and crack your toe on the end of the bed going to the washroom. Isn't it amazing how your whole body hurts just because you hit one part of it, your toe? Say why? Because you're focused on the pain. Did you know that 99.9% of your body is fine? Now, I realize that 0.1% is hurting pretty bad, depending on how bad you kicked it. But your whole body's not dying because you kicked the bed post. But isn't it amazing how we act like it is? Say why? Because that's the way we're prone because of being a sinner. We're so selfish. We need to focus on God's ability, not the pressure around us. I love you, but let me tell you something. Uh, Dr. Anderson, before he went to heaven, years before he went to heaven, when we were building this building, he looked at me and said, you preachers are a different breed. He was a multimillionaire, gave away tens or hundreds of millions of dollars for the cause of Christ. I wouldn't let him give us money. I love Dr. Anderson because he was Dr. Anderson, not because he was going to give us money. Amen. He said, preacher, he said, you're facing a tough, t-. he used to call me Brother Job. He said, that, that county down there, he said, I, they're just putting you through it. You're like Brother Job. I mean, we were fighting for our life. Now, wait a minute. He said, you preachers are a different breed. He said, how do you know you're going to be able to pay for it? I said, God said, do it. Amen. Everybody doing all right? We didn't have a big thermometer and raise a whole bunch of money and ask you to drain your savings accounts and everything else. Never have, never going to. Say why? Because I believe that if God's people would do what they're supposed to do, God will take care of what we cannot take care of. We watched God, all of a sudden $10,000 check came in. $25,000 check here. Not from our church people, from people who didn't even know our church. I mean, I got up and preached against everything that moved one night, had two doctors sitting in the service and thought, boy, just chase them off. The next week I went out to the mailbox and there's a letter from he and his wife. I thought, I'm not reading that. I got to preach this morning. Holy Spirit said, read that letter. I said, I don't want to read that letter. He said, read the letter. I said, well, they're not church members, so I couldn't have chased them out of my church. I opened up the envelope, and there was a letter and a $10,000 check in there. I said, I think I'm going to read the letter. <laughs> I thought for sure they were madder than a horn at me, and they said, if somebody preaches like that and wants to build church, we want to help. Here's $10,000. Get started. Well, glory. Amen. Man, I've seen it come in. We, we saw over $375,000 come into this church while we were building outside the tithes and offerings of our church. Preacher, how's that happen? We obey God. God takes care of what we cannot do. Amen. Say, well, how do you explain that? Three letters. G-O-D. Amen. God. Amen. Uh, you say, why? Because we decided to praise it. You ought to go get a loan saying you're going to pay it back for three quarters or $700,000. And you pass the plates once a service. You want to feel some pressure? Try that. Go start your business and don't, have any, don't charge for anything. Just let people donate. That's how you build a church. My wife said, honey, are, are, are you sure? No, but God is, and I'm just going to trust him. Too stupid to do anything else. Amen. <sighs> but we're here, and you got saved because of it. <laughs> Amen. Kept your carcass out of hell. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Can I tell you something? It, it, it takes a different level, but God was good. Amen. Yes. I remember when I was fighting the county and they wanted to, we had already closed our loan. Everything was closed. We signed papers, everything. And they added and, almost $150,000 stormwater management to everything. I had to go through another audit. We had to go through new loan documents. We had to increase our loan, go fight with the stupid uh, bank again. I had enough. Friday afternoon, 10 after 4, said, God, I've had it. I'm taking my wife to dinner, your house, you figure it out. I'd been to the governor's office. I'd been to the head of the DEP. I'd gone, I mean, I'd been everywhere. I said, you figure it out, your house. Prayer breakfast the next day, told the men about it. 
one of the men in the room came over. He said, Preacher, can I see you in your office? We were over in the uh, luxurious accommodations of Aiken Center. <clears throat> Went up into my office. It's about twice the size of this pulpit squared, literally, sitting there talking to each other. He said, what time did you say that took place? I told him, not a member of our church. I reached in his pocket, pulled out a check. He said, preacher, my wife and I just took care of something. And he said, at 4.15 last night, God put on our hearts to write this check. There's a $25,000 check. I said, excuse me for a moment. Wow, glory. (laughs) He said, isn't it amazing? God heard what you said and put it on our hearts to do that. (sighs) Thank God you were listening. Didn't have to borrow near as much and... When we had the extra cash, it helped us get what we needed from the bank. God knew exactly what we needed. I just had to trust him. You know, God's good even when there's pressure on. Number three, God's the lifter up of my head. Look at verse three. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. (laughs) You ever watch somebody when they're going through a tough time? Got the chin down. God says, come here, son. Let me help you. Pick pick your chin up. Get all that fuzz off of it first. God said, I'm going to pick your chin up. Put your shoulders back. Start walking. Don't show everybody you're under pressure. Don't show everybody you're discouraged. Pick your head up. Pick your chin up. Put your shoulders back, take a deep breath of air, and start walking. I call it the duck philosophy. The duck philosophy? Yeah, did you ever see a duck swim? Calm and smooth on top and going underneath for everything he's got. That's what pastoring is. You see the calm, but you don't see the underneath. Now, wait a minute. God says, pick your chin up. Put your shoulders back, take a deep breath of air, and keep on going. But preacher, I just got hammered. That's okay. Pick your chin up. But it hurts. Pick your chin up anyway. See, God is the one who picks up your chin. He's the one to whom we can go to get the confidence. God's not discouraged. He saw the end before the beginning. God knows what's coming, and if God says pick your chin up, you better be looking because something good's about to happen, y'all. <laughs> There's pl- been plenty of times. <clears throat> God, I don't know that I can do this. And I'd come before you and say, folks, God's good. I'm thinking, I just lied to everybody. I don't know that he's good to me right now, but God's going to do something. Everybody doing all right? I didn't lie the fact that God's good, but... I didn't see how he was going to be good. (laughs) I'd meet somebody out here, show them around. They'd shake my hand, put something in my hand. I'd shove it in my pocket. They'd leave. I'd open it up, and there's a $25,000 check in it. Ooh, glory. Say, how's that happen? I don't know. I really don't, but I know this. God's good whether I see it or not. And if I just pick my chin up and start looking for it, maybe if we'd start looking for his goodness, we'd quit looking at the problem so much. You see, God's the one who's going to help us hold our chin up. So that when your enemies see you, they say, man, I gave him my best shot and he's still got his chin up. Give me another one, devil. I can take it. Brother Jim, I've told the devil, I, I got one more get up than he's got knocked down. I'm not about to let the devil knock me down and not get back up. My daddy taught me when I was little, son, you're not very big. You're scrawny. You better learn to be wiry and get back up every time you get knocked down. When I played football, I was the littlest guy. I'd get hammered and I'd jump right back up to my feet. I might have tears in my eyes. I might be crying, but I got back up. I played third base and pitched a lot. And you to play third base, it is a rough position on the field. I broke three ribs from a guy sliding with steel cleats right into my side. <laughs> Say, what'd you do? Got back up and finished the game. 
blood running down my uniform. Coach wanted to pull me. My dad said, let him play. Well, he might be hurt. He can play hurt. And the famous words, rub dirt on it, boy, rub dirt on it. Yes, sir. Guess what? Thank God for it. I got one more get up than the devil's got knocked down. I decided a long time ago he might kick, but I'm kicking back. Number four. Verse number four. I cried unto the Lord. You know, the one that ought to hear us cry is God, not everybody else. Everybody look at me. I love you. And as your pastor, I'm not afraid to catch your tears. But there are people in this room and a lot of people in this world, you just go from person to person to person to person and tell them all the bad things and cry to everybody about the same thing. You would think less of your preacher if I called you and told me told you all my problems every time I had a problem. So preacher, do you cry? An awful lot. But I'll do it in the woods or in my office with just me and God. I really will. I'll get alone with him and I'll weep. It's okay. I gotta go back and be strong. I'll come in here and try to encourage you. I'll walk back out and weep again. If you knew the heartache that this preacher has to catch. If you knew how many people that go through tragedy that just one tragic story after another. And yet I got to keep going. I go back to when mom passed away. 9.20, I got the phone call. She had died. 10 o'clock, I had an appointment to schedule and uh, plan a funeral for Friday. That was on a Wednesday. Stayed with that family, planned a memorial service for their loved one. Left about 11 o'clock, headed home. On my way home, Mrs. Diener called me and her husband just passed away. Sat outside my house in my trunk trying to help her. I haven't seen my wife. I haven't seen my dad, my brother, or sister-in-law. People that were with my family to even help my family with the death of my mama yet. Went in, grabbed my wife and said, let's go. Started making arrangements with my family, helping Mrs. Diener's family. Preached a funeral on Friday. I preached Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night church on Sunday. I preached mom's funeral on Monday, Mr. Diener's funeral on Tuesday, church Wednesday night. Didn't miss a click. So preacher, how do you do that? Because God helps me pick my chin up. And about Thursday, everybody thought I'd fall apart and I was, I was gaining steam. So when, when's preacher going to fall apart? Uh, never. Don't worry about it. Say why? Because God helps me pick my chin up. And when I cry, I cry to him. I, I really didn't cry when mom went to heaven. And we had moments where it was tender. Those of you that don't know my dad yet, he's in Florida. He's a, uh, what do you call those, snow buzzard? I mean snowbird. Uh, he's in Florida right now. You had to know my dad. My mom had 30-some major surgeries. She had both of her ankles rebuilt, both of her knees replaced, one four times, and the last time they put a mechanical rod in it. All kinds of mess, let me tell you. And he used to joke with her, I'm not sure when you die if I'm going to take you to, to, to the junkyard or to the, to the Brown's funeral home. We got there on a Sunday afternoon to view her body. She didn't want anybody to see it but family. She said, open the lid, make sure it's me, and shut the lid, and don't let anybody else look. So we did. Everybody was crying for a little bit. About three or four minutes in, my dad goes, well, she got what she wanted. My brother said, Dad, what do you mean? He said, I brought her to Brown's instead of the, to the junkyard. <laughs> That's exactly what he said, isn't it, hon? And most of us started laughing. Not everybody, but most of us. Say, what was that? That's how Dad dealt with it. Everything was fine. I could have heard my, my mama in that moment. 
I, I, I know in my, in my head of heads, I know what my mama would have said right then. Now, wait a minute. Do I miss her? Every day. Do I cry? Mm-mm. She's in a perfect place with a perfect body, not having to face what we face. Why should I cry for her? She ought to be crying for me. Everybody doing all right? Uh, the one who sees me cry. I don't need to seek pity from everybody. How about I just go to God? Dr. Anderson, we were on Route 9. He said, Preacher, isn't it a shame it's just you and God? We were talking about the building. He said, isn't it a shame it's just you and God? We were talking about some of the difficulties. He said, isn't it a shame it's just you and God? I said, Doc, what are you talking about being ashamed? He just looked at me and grinned. He said, you're one of the few preachers I know that knows how to walk with God and get everything you need from him. Most of them are trying to get it from me or somebody else that's got money. He said, isn't it a shame it's just you and God? I said, no, I'm having the time of my life. He said, that's why you guys think different. He said, I couldn't live that way. He said, but look what God's doing. You see, the more we seek pity from others, listen to this statement. The more we seek pity from others, the less God can do for us. Because we've gotten it from everybody else instead of God. I don't know about you. God's a better comforter than most people. I told Brother Scott when his mama was dying, I said, Brother Scott, people are miserable comforters. When when people say something, they're going to hurt you. Forget what they say, just accept the fact that they said something and just in one ear out the other. I'll never forget about a day later. He said, Preacher, you're right, people are stupid. I said, I know. I said, don't worry about what they said. Just smile and say thank you for saying something. Brother, Brother Jim, I told you the same thing. Say why? Because people don't know how to help people. In general, number five, <laughs> I don't need to lose sleep over anything. God's awake 24-7. Look at verse number five. I laid me down and slept. I laid me down and slept. Now, I hate to sleep and I still don't sleep much. But while we went through the building of this building, and I, I really didn't lose much sleep. Say why? It's God's house, not mine. Now, I probably lost more sleep over building my house at the same time I was building this building. That was not smart. God says, that's your own dumb fault. And that's not the only person that said that, but we won't go there. Did you know staying up and worrying about something isn't going to change it? Stay in schedule. Time to lay down, lay down. Time to sleep, sleep. Time to get up, get up. Uh, The opposition doesn't care how much or how little sleep you get. I remember going through battle after battle after battle and saying, Okay, God, I'm putting my head down, I'm going to sleep. You take care of it while I'm sleeping. Preacher, I can't believe you'd say that. That's how it worked. Look around, look at what God did. Number six, and I'll hurry. <laughs> look at verse number eight. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Preacher, was it worth it? I wonder how many people are sitting in this building today and you got saved because... Of this church. I, I, I'm almost. How many would say preacher. I got saved because I came here to Grace Baptist Church. Raise your hand. Put it up a good bit there. About a third of this crowd. Some of you have been out of church a long time. How many of you were out of church. And God brought you back because of Grace Baptist Church. Raise your hand. Oh my soul. There goes about half the church. Three quarters. Can I tell you something? That didn't come because everything was going easy for my wife and I. Just so you know. I fought the battle of my life to start this church.
I had preachers around the country saying, you're 45 years old. You can't start a church. You're too old. Well, that's like saying sick them to a bulldog. Tell me I can't do something. Look out. I'll do it just, just to make you mad. I'm a rebel at heart. Amen? You see, uh, look at the amount of people getting saved. Look at the lives being changed. Look at how God works at Grace Baptist Church every service. Well, it's not going good for me. Look around and see the goodness of God. You see, God is blessing this place. And I don't know about you. I'll promise you, these two people and my wife hear me say it more than anybody. And when I pray, God, keep your hand of blessing on our church. Oh, God, would you bless our church? As I got out of my truck at 5 o'clock this morning and walked across the parking lot, I said, oh, God. You bless this church. I locked the door and I said, God, put my things down in my office after I turned the alarm off. I went to the nursery and said, God, bless the families that have babies and young ones that will be in here today. And help the workers, help them to be here and give them what they need to, to, to strengthen them to be what we need to be for these young families. Went into Brother Anthony's office and prayed for Brother Randy's Sunday school class and Went into Mrs. Barnes' Sunday school room and the Brother Juan and Brother Garner's classroom and stopped at Brother Anthony's room and then went over to Jamie's Sunday school classroom. Walked into this building, prayed at every, every row. Said, oh God, would you keep your hand of blessing on us? God, I don't know who will be here, but I know somebody needs you today. That's a regular walk for me. It's a holy walk for me. But look what God's doing. But preacher, I feel pressure. It's okay. Look what God's doing. But preacher, I'm going through problems. That means you're going the right direction. Did you know if you have a low tide, somebody else is having a high tide? You just hang on. It's going to balance out. It'll come back. People sometimes need help, and I'll help them. And they'll say, but preacher, I'm not. It's okay. When God gets you back on track, somebody else is going to need help. You help them. And it's amazing how the ebb and flow. And you want to know why Grace Baptist Church has the spirit it has? Because we're not judging everybody by how they look or what, 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 what problems they don't have. Right. It's a hospital, not a museum. Right. Amen. You know, you can have roughness in one area of life or two, but it doesn't mean all of life is bad. How about we learn to truly get excited when somebody else gets the blessing instead of us? When somebody else gets the blessing. I've helped young preachers all over this country building buildings and helping them with their church. I know a young pastor that he called me one day. He said, preacher, he said, I just got a $100,000 check. I said, praise the Lord. I had a spell with him. I didn't say, well, God didn't do that for me. You selfish ingrate. I'm serious. I truly was excited for him. I, I can't tell you how. I, I know a pastor that uh, a wealthy man came and said, look, I'll, I'll pay for you to have an assistant pastor for the next five years. Here's the money. And it wasn't me, just so you know. Can I tell you something? I didn't say, well, how come God doesn't do that for me? Because we don't need it. God's taking care of us in other ways. Amen. See, you're only looking at the way he helps one person. How about you look around and see the goodness of God and rejoice with people when it happens good to them? Amen. Well, it's not happening good to me right now. Well, hang on. If you get the right attitude, maybe it would. You wouldn't bless your kids if they, if they had your attitude. Ouch. your kids treated you the way you treat God, would you bless them? Everybody doing all right? Man, I'm having fun. I shouldn't have missed last week. I'm making up for it. Amen? Can I tell you something? There's going to be battles ahead. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many there are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there's no help for him in God. Even God couldn't help you. 
For thou, O Lord, art a shield unto me, my glory, my lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. He heard me into the holy hill. See, I laid, down, laid me down and slept. When I wakened, the Lord sustained me. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord and blessing people. Took my Bible to school every day in public school when I was in eighth grade before I went to Christian school. Public school. Rough. Now, wait a minute. About April of that year, I found out I was going to go to the Christian school the next year. My English teacher tried to fail me because every paper I wrote had the gospel in it. I'd end up at the at the principal's office, who happened to be a Christian, and said, look, she's failing me because of the content, not my grammar. He made her rescore everything, by the way, got an A in the class. She thought she'd had me. She gave me a list, and one of the things on the list was a bus ride. So I wrote about my bus route that I took to church with picking up boys and girls, teaching, teaching them the gospel, how to get saved. She was mad. Oh, she was mad. She found out I wasn't coming back to public school. I was going to a Christian school. She pulled me out in the hallway, <coughs> eighth grade. She took her nasty old smoke-filled finger and pointed it in my face. She said, young man, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never graduate from college. You won't amount to anything. You're nothing but a religious rebel. She said, you won't amount to anything. <laughs> Four years later, I got my high school diploma. Four years after that, I got my Bible college diploma, my bachelor's diploma. I've got a doctorate, and God's been mighty good to this nobody for the last 40-some years. I've seen hundreds of thousands of people get saved. I've preached in 34 states. God's allowed me to do some amazing things, all because one teacher said, oh, you can't do anything. You're too narrow-minded. I said, well, I just heard Brother Roloff preach, and I shouldn't have said it. But I quoted Brother Roloff and said, well, a wide mind in a, on a, in a narrow ditch means your mind's in the gutter on both sides. I shouldn't have said it, but I did. By the way, she meant it for evil, but I used it to motivate me to do good. Nah, 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 nah. I wonder how many people would have just folded up. But I knew Psalm 3. Let's run to it when we need it. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Who'd say preacher? I know for sure I'm saved. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. If I died, I know for sure I'd go to heaven. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. You may put your hands down. I will not embarrass you, but you say, Preacher, if, if I died today, I don't know that for sure. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to get, go through some ritual or tradition. I'm asking you, do you know 100% sure you're going to heaven? You say, Preacher, that's me. I don't know that, but I'd like to know it someday. Would you raise your hand? All right. Who'd say, Preacher, somewhere in that sermon, something I needed today? Would you raise your hand? Oh, my soul. Scores and scores of hands. If you've been saved and never baptized, we can take care of it today. If you've never trusted Christ, you come. We'd like to take the Bible and show you how you could know for sure, just in a matter of two or three minutes. God spoke to your heart today. How about you come? If you've been saved and baptized by immersion and like to join our church, how about you come? We'd love to have you part of our church.